Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Dungeons and Junkies presents Escape from Old Pond, episode 34. Behold the consequences. I'm Matt. Mm, God, that burns actually. I'm Alex. Mm, God, that burns actually. And I'm Carrie. <laughs> I'm so mad my idiots. Welcome back to Dungeons and Junkies. <laughs> Chad, take it away with you, really, mate. You're in charge this week. Wow. Uh, what? Why, hello there, everyone. No beating around the bush for Matt today, just jump straight into it. But yes, hello, I am Chad, and today we will be diving back into my terrible and wonderful homebrew world of Escape from Ulfam, where I will be basically everyone in the world. But there are some other people in this world, so let's go around the table and find out who they are today. Let's start with Carrie. Hello, I am indeed Harry, and I am also very Nathan, the Wood Elf Warlock, who is, oh, as always, mired in anxiety, and has just watched Wyatt be carried away by a beholder. It's like, hmm, this could be a problem. Yes, it definitely, definitely could be a problem. And with that wonderful segue, Matt. Indeed, I am Matt, and I am playing Detective Wyatt Stanton, currently morphed into a red Power Ranger. Uh, last scene being taken into a pipe with a fire blind beholder. Heaven knows what's going to happen next. I am prepared. I am going to need some drinks, I'm sure. Yes, who knows what will happen next. Oh, I do. That's right. But let's uh, go next to Alex. Hi, I'm Alex, and today I'm playing Avery, the Azamar wizard who is currently... A pound or two lighter because he now has a massive hole in his chest. Yeah, it's not going great for a lot of members of the gang. But to the final member of the gang, or er, <laughs> Caitlin. Every time, I swear to God. Now, Damien's having the fairly zen time, contemplating whether or not he could get away with murdering this lady who keeps influencing him and drinking coffee and dealing with overly excited people who want to bond with him who does not want to bond. Yes, yes. And with that, once again, what a wonderful segue into the recap for last time's adventures in Escape from Wolfarm. So last time, the gang, as Caitlin just said, Damien was hanging out with the band of Atomism after Bart had teleported them outside of their massive glass pyramid, and Bart had passed out while bleeding profusely, being brought into the pyramid and tended to by Doctor, aka Doc, the Warforged Doctor of the Band of Atomism. While this was going on, Damien got to meet both General Calypso, uh, Aldrich, Damocles, 
and also Evelyn, uh, all ministers of the Watch, and in the Band of Atomism, very important to guarding the multiverse. Damien both got to go to the peak of the pyramid and also saw a massive portal that was gifted to the Band of Atomism by a multiversal creature many, many eons ago. After that, Damien was led to the mess hall where they did get to have a nice little coffee break with Evelyn and also fed Julius some chicken while Evelyn tried to bond with Damien. While this was going on though, and Damien was left to their own discord and thoughts in the mess hall, somewhere else in Ganymede, Virian and Detective Wyatt made their way continually through the library of Ganymede, still attempting to find the book The Multiversal Theory and Practical Application by Everett C. Smythe. And after traversing many floors, trying to fly through a tube, and Knives himself being stuck in an M.C. Escher-like set of stairs, the gang found themselves in a pyramid, but surrounded by religious texts and other such books, before going back into an already explored portion of the library, a very high-tech area with moving lifts and books on multiversal theory where you were positive that the book used to reside. And after a little bit of discourse, Virian decided to put down the book that he found many, many days slash weeks ago in the cube as pulsating cold energy was sent off a signal through the library, bringing Yukis, the unquenchable, down from the top of the library, and taking Wyatt back up through one of the tubes, where we don't know. But also, while this was all going on, somewhere else, not Ganymede, not a homeworld, not really anywhere, kind of between worlds, Avery found himself still in a life-or-death struggle to survive in the jungles of Casador's creation, being hunted by a massive ape and a smaller little ape, somehow surviving, though barely holding on to life. Avery, with less than half of the challenge still remaining, suddenly the time was stopped and the master of this dimension himself appeared in front of Avery, pulling the gem from the chest of Avery, and Avery completely blacking out. But let us dive back into Escape from Wolfhound. Avery. You hear the sound of birds chirping. The normal morning birds chirping happily, gleefully, greeting the dawn as you sniff the air and smell the smells of breakfast being made as you have so many times. Laying in your soft, cozy bed you feel the wonderful feather pillow beneath your head as you slowly open your eyes and look around to see your college dormitory room. 
No, tell that this feels off. Like, do I remember what was happening before I blacked out? Oh, Avery, you remember everything. The last thing you remember, there was a far too angular, far too long fingered, far too grinning creature slash man with his fingers in your chest. Two things I would do then. One is she would. I'd see if any of Sorrel's gear is in here. Any books, like textbooks, or any spare clothes. Uh, Alright, uh, make me a. First of all, make me a perception check, and then make me an investigation check. Oh, those are good rolls. Uh, perception is a 14 plus 7. And investigation is an 18 plus 9. Avery, you swing your legs over the side of the bed, and immediately you feel something in your chest that you haven't felt for a long while now. A heartbeat. And as you go to stand up from the bed, you see your left arm. And it's your left arm. It's no longer the metal construct it was. It is your left arm. And as you look, your skin is back to the supple, normal color that it was before, instead of the grayish white that it had become. And as you hazard a glance to your left, you look in the mirror and you see yourself as you were before you entered Ganymede. What the hell is going on here? This is right. I think I'll go for the door. Oh, yeah. As you look about the rest of the room, you do see some of their gear still here. You see a book strewn across another bed, but no one in it. I'm gonna go for the dormitory door. Leave the room. Neighbor, you turn and open the dormitory door out into the massive, expansive hallway of the 6R Academy School for Arcane Arts. And you look back and forth down this huge hallway that's completely empty. As you slowly close the door, as the door slowly closes behind you, sending an echo down this massive hallway. Um, so I can't hear anything. Uh, you can make me another perception check. Oof. Eleven. You don't hear anything at all, but as you enter out into the hallway, 
once again, you can smell breakfast being made. And you know that the cafeteria isn't that close to your dormitory, but you can still smell the smells of breakfast, the smells of sausage and bacon being skizzled in pans and the smells of baking breads and other kinds of accoutrement. I'm gonna smell it. I'm gonna smell it. I'm gonna follow the smell for a minute. Sure. You're gonna head off towards the cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. And what? While I do that, actually, I'll hold off on that for a minute. Yeah, I'll head down to the cafeteria for a second and just follow the smell. Sure, Avery, you begin to head off through the dormitories, past many other uh, students' rooms, and some doors open, some doors close, but never seeing another individual this whole time. But never seeing anything off, not, not as if this place was ransacked or anything, but just there's no one here. The doors that you walk by that are open, you can see there are items in there, Nothing, you know, too tossed askew or anything of that nature, just looking like dormitory rooms, just empty of any other creatures or people or elves or anyone of that nature. You keep going, heading through the dormitories, down the long stairs, out into the courtyard, and once again, courtyard, just, it's a beautiful morning out. The sun is shining, birds are chirping, but there's no one in the courtyard at all. You look back and forth, keep going, heading towards the cafeteria. The smells of baking breads and sausage cooking and scrambled eggs and all other breakfast foods getting stronger and stronger as you come upon the massive set of double doors to enter into the cafeteria. Are you going to go into the cafeteria? I'll take a look over my shoulder, just make sure nothing's behind me, and then I'll open the doors. Avery, you grab onto the double doors, swing them open towards you. The warmth of the inside of this cafeteria washes over you immediately, and you are almost stunned with just the aromas of delicious food that hits you as you step into the cafeteria. The cafeteria itself is a huge, massive room, many long tables, the actual kitchen at the far end, as you actually enter and kind of at a second level, as the cafeteria has kind of been sunken into the ground itself. So you have to make your way down a little bit of a staircase to make your way to the actual cafeteria floor. But once again, besides the smells and the aromas, and now you can hear sounds of scraping, and like the sounds of what seem to be cooking coming from 
the kitchen, all the way across the cafeteria. But the cafeteria itself, still completely empty, devoid of any other life besides you, Avery. In here, can I sense any magic? You can roll me an arcana check. Uh, that is a 12 plus 9. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you sense magic, but you sense the magic that you remember from your days at the 6R Academy. Academy itself was ancient. You know, years before you ever attended it, had been there for millennia before, teaching so many others the ways of magic and the arcane arts. And so, the magic itself had seeped into the buildings. And so, you, though, sense the magic that you remember when you were here. I'm gonna... Avery continues in. Something feels off about all of this, despite everything. So, as he does cross, he's gonna he'll cross a bit slower and more like cautiously, just keeping an eye on everything as he makes his way over to the other end of the cafeteria. Avery, your boots echoing off of the stone floor. As you make your way through this cafeteria, the smells of these foods just filling your nostrils. And you realize how hungry you are. You, your stomach rumbles for the first time since you don't know how long. You can't remember the last time your stomach actually rumbled. And you feel an overwhelming need to eat as you keep making your way closer and closer to this kitchen. And the sounds of uh, pots and pans banging around would sound like knives and other things scraping about and the sound of dishware and such being moved about get louder and louder as you keep making your way closer and closer to this kitchen door. Before you finally reach the kitchen door. It's a solid door. You can see it has an actual handle on it, no window into the back kitchen. What would you like to do? Can I feel my magic? Make me an arcana check. Seventeen plus nine, whatever that is. Twenty-six? Seventeen plus nine? Something? Twenty-six. Avery, you feel as you reach this kitchen door, and as you walk into this room, you definitely have connections to your magic again, you think. But it doesn't it doesn't feel as it did before. This feels 
different in some way. You, it feels natural, but yet you feel less than you felt before. The best way to put it. All right. Sorry, what was in front of me again? Uh, you were standing at the kitchen Jeez. door. Okay, so... I think I'll open the door. Alright. Uh, you enter, grabbing onto the handle of the kitchen door, pushing forward. The door quite easily swings inwards. As the smells, once again, get even more intense, you feel your stomach deeply rumble once again as your mouth begins to water. And the sounds of the banging pots and pans gets almost deafening as you step into the kitchen. And as you do, turning to your right, standing at a massive stove with multiple pots of boiling water, on other things going, you can see a whole pot of just like sizzling sausages going, just steam and smoke everywhere, just a cacophony of noises. Suddenly, a high elf turns their face towards you, blonde hair, smiling, a huge portion of their face gashed and missing as Z. One of your old professors turns to look at you, Avery. Oh, here for breakfast? I've missed you so, Avery. What's going on? Why, I'm making you breakfast. You've been gone for a long time. I'll take a step back. Just keeping an eye on him. Avery? Where are you going? As they turn and step forward, you can see that once again there is a huge gash through their chest. As they turn and you can literally see into their heart just beating on the inside. <laughs> Missed you so much, we have, Avery. All you did to all of us. No, no, no none of this is real. Oh. Avery, I need you to make me a dexterity save. Uh. Plus three, that is numbers. Nineteen. Can't think. I can't think of numbers. Nineteen. Avery, as you take a step back, and another step back, and another without even thinking at this moment, as this half-cleaved high elf begins stepping towards you, just one wild eye staring at you, suddenly you step into what feels like a wall but you're not far enough back to be at the wall 
And as you slowly look up, you see a very burned visage of a half-orc as Dalvasar stands there looking down on you for one second. Missed you so we have Avery. As he attempts to grab you around, you at the last second manage to duck down and slide forward a foot as you manage to turn around and see a completely burned and half like wrecked giant half orc standing there in front of you as your professor Dalvasar stands there with a half crooked skin or smile as the other half of his face almost completely burned away missed you so we have is they start to take steps forward um Fuck it. I'm going to cast Dispel Magic. As you raise your hand and you feel the magic actually come back to you, which was a great feeling because you haven't felt your magic in a while, the magic of Dispel Magic goes and just as like a cluster of almost fairy dust hits this half-burned, half-orc in the face and his head rocks back before once again he just Tilt his head back forward, staring at you, both eyes. Everything you did to us will be paid back in full. It's nothing to do with me. You know that. I tried to stop her. Dalvasar takes a step, another step towards you. This huge hulking frame. You can almost feel the ground beneath you shake a little bit as he steps forward you, towards you. Um, I'll keep taking steps back. Once again, to begin stepping back, you hear behind you, Z. Once again, still the sound of sizzling meats behind them. Oh, we're so glad to see you after everything you did. At this moment, Avery, you've now kind of made your way back to the actual kitchen door, and you kind of stand about each of these, your professors, one half-cleaved, one half-burned, staring at you about three feet from you on either side. What would you like to do? I don't know what Avery would do at this point. This... This is a lot for him. I think he would just be in a state of shock. At this point, really. Because he's seen all of these... People die. So I truly think he would just be frozen. I've seen all of this again. Avery, as you stand there in a state of shock, Dalvasar, in a bit of moving fury, steps forward, and before your state of shock can take anything else, you see his fist ball up, 
and swing down before rocking into your face, his fist almost encompassing your entire skull as you feel the pressure just boom into your cheek. And you will take 10 points of bludgeoning damage. And you feel your jaw like unhinge for a second before popping back into place as blood splurts out the side of your mouth. And this massive half-orc stands over you. You killed us all! You're still just gonna stand there in a state of shock after getting crushed in the face by a massive half-orc fist? I think he would, at this point. I think he would. Avery, from behind, you suddenly feel between your ribs a knife just right into your back as you will take seven points of piercing damage as Z drives a kitchen knife right in between your back ribs before being right on your shoulder. You know you deserve this. You killed us all. We should have kicked you out. When you killed me! I'm so- I'm sorry for everything. You feel the knife being pulled out before the knife once again drives right back into your side. You'll take another Three points, piercing damage. On them. Avery, you feel the knife once again driving in. And Z, just the breath and the blood almost. You can smell the iron coming off of this cleaved high elf as they're directly in your ear. You did this. You've killed us all, and you deserve so much more. As you slowly begin to feel your vision black out, fade slowly. But meanwhile, the camera kind of smash cuts from this all as the light goes out in Avery's eyes. The camera opens back up. Blue technology, lights and sounds kind of begin to come back up as we fade back in on a very futuristic style library. Silvers and metals everywhere. Moving lifts that aren't being lifted by anything. As the camera zooms in on a Githraki with short blonde hair and a very sparkly elf standing on the 15th floor in almost a state, and by almost, I mean a complete state of shock. As we come back to Virian and Knives in the Library of Ganymede. But Virian, you have just seen Wyatt be taken away by the Beholder, 
who declared himself as Yukis, after grabbing the book that you put down on the floor. So what's up? <laughs> no, that, that's me laughing. That's not very This is not laughing that, so... Varian obviously saw what just happened, but it's sort of taking his mind a moment to catch up. Like, okay, Wyatt was kidnapped by a thing? Varian might have seen a picture of a beholder before. Multiple of I said. Oh, you definitely have, knew what a beholder was. You, they were spoken about at nauseum. At, in school as kind of something to avoid, but also something of great wonder as their power is just so vast and, you know, immeasurable at times. Okay. What? What, what, what do we even do now? You can see knives coming out from behind the bookshelf that he had ducked behind when the Beholder came down. He comes out holding his communicator gem in his hand. Son of a bitch! I literally can't get a hold of anyone right now. I have literally tried everyone. Bart isn't answering. Fucking, oh my god, what is going on? We are so fucked! Right. So, we go after Wyatt and we probably die, wherever Wyatt may be in this place. Because let's face it, it's not been very straightforward at all. That's, that's probably our only option at this point. You can see that maybe a perception check, uh, Virion. Okay. Uh, a 15. Hang on. Yeah, 15. Knives is physically sweating right now. Uh, and, like, almost shaking in such a state of panic at this moment. Okay, that's not reassuring at all. Listen, Virian, I know we have to go after him. I do, but you, you don't get it. You don't... You haven't been here long enough, so you don't... Okay, listen, they're all literally... It was a, it was a fucking fable. It was a, a... I thought it was a story they told us as kids to... To show us how great and powerful Vicious was. Mm. The truth is stranger than fiction and all that. If this is... This Yukis is the eye from the story, we are fucked. We are in so far over our heads that I don't know what to do. And I can't get a hold of anyone 
on this fucking thing right now. What I am what story? Okay. So, thousands of years ago, there was a time called the Reign of the Eye, where the Eye, I now must assume, is Yukis, appeared during one of Vicious's sleeps. This Eye covered two-thirds of Ganymede in an impeg impregnable barrier and ruled with an iron fist. And he was so powerful that inside this barrier, 5,000 years passed in the span of 10. The eye was unquenchable. Anything inside it took, it created, it molded, it took and sucked dry of any information. And then they say, Vicious awoke. And he himself sat outside the barrier for one year, saying nothing, doing nothing, just staring. Until on the day, one year, Vicious raised one dragonborn claw, touched the barrier, and it shattered before Vicious himself walked in by himself and took the very eye out of the eye and banished it. If this thing is that fucking thing from the story, we are fucked. You can probably tell from the look on Varian's face that being an elf from a community of mostly elves, he's heard some pretty wacky stories. But this one's kind of on a whole other level. He's just processing it for a moment. Also, Did Yukas have all his eyes? Make me... Make me a history check with advantage. Oh, I actually have something history. Yep, something handy one day. Okay, my... That's an 8 and a 20, so a 24, my highest. Nice. Virian, as you think back to seeing um, Wyatt being taken by the Beholder, as it flew away back upwards, you distinctly remember seeing that there were two stalks of the Beholder that were just hanging off of it. They weren't... They were there, but they were just hanging. Okay. That just makes the story a little more unsettling if there's a green truth to it. 
I gather it's not going to be just as easy as walking in, grabbing the flashy Power Ranger. Is it a Power Ranger? We don't have them where I come from. And leaving again. I, I, I don't know. I, he keeps calling himself a Power Ranger every time. And then I try and say he's a detective and he blabbers on about something else. So, I don't know. Well, Wyatt managed to approach or be approached without Yukas actively trying to kill him. What's the chance we can do that? Well, so what the fuck was with that book? Where did you get that book from? Found it locked away. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that last part? The cube. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh, you're, t you're telling me that you took something out of the cube. Yes. Oh dear fucking god. Okay. Well, that that's really and uh, as he, as you or nice just kind of is just standing there talking. You can see he's reaching into a pack that he has on his uh belt and he's pulling out these rings and he's putting rings on each one of his fingers and just each one. Oh my fucking god, we are so fucked. Okay. Listen here. You're right. We need to go after Wyatt. That is 100% what we need to do. And we are going to do that. Um, can you... Can you make us fly? I, you did it earlier. Uh, not to the best game, one moment, let me check my spell slots. I'm pretty sure I've got one left, but... Goddamn, being a warlock is so depressing when it comes to spell slots. Uh, yes. I don't think I can do it for many... I don't think I can do it many more times, though. Uh, oh, um, hold on, hold on. I, I, I have something for this. And you see he begins uh, reaching into another bag that he has on his belt, fiddling through and for pulling out a uh, bright blue potion bottle. Here, uh, Mage's Kintle. That should, should at least give you one free attempt at it. Okay. Um, I take the potion. All right. Uh, that, as you take it, that lets you regain one spell slot of every uh, spell level that you have availability to. But unfortunately, as a warlock, you only have <laughs> access to one level of spells, so you only get one spell slot back. I have two because of my levels in wizard. 
Oh, if you've burned any of those, you can get one level back from those. Yeah, everything. I'd only use one as a warlock, you have to preserve your spell slots. That's why you have so many flavors of Eldritch Pastor, that's my conclusion. Okay, then I cast Fly. Alright, uh, you, you feel your body become weightless as the spell takes effect and both you and Knives raise into the air as Knives loading his hand cannon. Right, um, well, should we go the same way that they went? Or should we attempt to go a different way? As Knives does look up and there are multiple different pipes above you. Hmm. There's one pipe directly above you that Yukis took Wyatt through that you saw. There is the pipe that you and Wyatt went through uh, originally that got you through, or, or it did get you through to the pyramid. And then there are some pipes that you can see that are down below you that were down on the ground floor. You don't know where those go at this moment. Well, given Varian's history of bad decision-making, I'm probably going to say the pipe with the where Yukus took Wyatt. Otherwise, I don't know how well you know the layout of this place. Orienteering has never been my strongest suit. Oh, I have no fucking idea. I've, I've never been to this library in my entire life. If Wyatt can convince him he's non-hostile, then I'm sure we can do the same. You did hear him say to Wyatt that he would never be leaving here, right? Oh yes, I heard that part. Okay, good. I thought I was making it up for a moment, but... So I don't know if the hostility actually matters much right at this moment. I think we need to be as quiet as possible. Sounds like a plan. And you both begin to raise into the air, heading towards this tube in the roof. And as you do, Virion, you feel a little tingle in the back of your head as you hear, What in the hell are you doing now? as Terran pipes up for a moment. And he almost feels as if the whole world stops as you're flying through the air. And then suddenly you feel just like you're inside your own head. And you suddenly are standing about six feet from Terran. But Terran as an elf, once again, standing there with his arms crossed, staring at you. What in the hell is going on? If I knew more, I would explain it. But 
you've seen everything that's happening, right? Well, yes, I find that the more and more time I spend in this new form, the stronger I seem to get. As you can see, I can now bring you in here into your, what will, I guess, say, mindscape. Yes. As you see Terran raise a hand and suddenly a chalkboard appears to the left. Now, if we are, if I'm keeping track of what's going on here, it seems that you, once again, Virian, have fucked everything up as it appears you have given this Yukis what he most desired and lost another of your friends as you see him make two marks in like a demerit kind of way under Virian which he's written on this chalkboard is is that about where we are at this moment Mr. Nafeen? Yes. So yes, I have seen everything that is going on as the chalkboard just disappears. So I once again ask, what exactly are you doing? Probably let flying face first into my third fuck up in a very short amount of time. Since then, that seemed to be my specialty, as you well know. Listen, if you get yourself killed by this Yukis, I die again, and I don't. I'm. I'm not doing it. So no, do not do this. I don't. I don't know what your problem is, Mister Nafeen, and why you keep wanting to run headfirst into all of this danger, but turn your ass around right now and get us the hell out of here. And then what? You can see that Terran actually is in a almost stunned state as did not expect that question. Terran looks at you. What do you mean, then what? And what? We leave. Wyatt's never allowed to leave. We don't get this book. Avery gets to die in God knows what dimension. What do you want me to do? What do you expect from me? Me, of all people? You know. You know better than anybody what my limitations are. I can't do anything. Which is why... There is nothing I can do other than run headfirst into these situations. You can see Terran's face is puckered as he looks down at you and clicks his tongue. Mr. Nafeen, Mr. Nafeen. I thought I taught you better than this, but apparently I didn't. So yes, please, throw our lives away one more time. Once more into the abyss, as they say, right? Whatever, Mr. Nafeen, you do with what you will. 
and suddenly you're back flying with knives straight up. With flight, can you change direction? Oh, yeah. Varian's just stopped dead at this point. Takes knives a moment to realize you've stopped, but after about it's about a good five, six feet above you, suddenly he looks down. What? What? Is, is something wrong? Can't go this way. We have to find another way. What? What do you mean we have to find another way? This is the way to get Wyatt back. We don't know any other way. We have to find one. Okay, I guess. What? 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 What do you want to go then? I guess you're the one. I can't fly myself, so you're the one in charge of this spell. So where do you want to go? Down. Down. It's... Barry doesn't really want to explain to Knives what just happened. <laughs> Largely because it's quite hard to explain what just happened. <laughs> also, he doesn't want to be seen as, like, his mind wandering. Virion, as you begin to just, you just turn and begin to fly straight down, you look and you realize that one of those tubes is the one you came from when you flew up here the first time. It took your brain a moment to realize after all the trauma and everything, but you realize that this tube will take you back down to the large college-style library filled with all of the different picture books. Hmm. There's more than one tube down there, though, isn't there? There is. As you get a little lower, you actually see there are two other tubes down there. Do I remember how many other tubes there were in the College Star Library? Uh, make me a history check. Mm, that's a 14. Yeah, there was definitely two or three, you're pretty sure. You're more, you're positive about two. You're not sure about three. But you know there was at least two. It's probably a bit counterproductive, but I'm going to go back that way. Are you going to go back through the tube that you know goes down to that one, or are you going to try one of the other two tubes that you can see? I'm going to take the route I know for now. Sure. You easily slip back into this huge circular tube, which you now realize why it is so massive, as it is to fit that massive beholder that you saw taking away Wyatt. And you hear Knives, All right, all right, I'm coming! As Knives begins to zoom down behind you, as you through the tube, and you enter back into the huge, expansive, 
college style library, the smell of all of the colored inks and everything rushing over you as you stand, not really stand, I guess, as you hover in midair above all of these. The huge circular staircase that you ascended with Wyatt, you can see still functioning up to a certain point, except where it broke. Go past where it broke now, though. Yeah, you can go to higher floors, yep. Okay, that's what I'd like to do then. Because to my memory, flight lasts for a decent while. About ten minutes. It does. Uh, as you reach the, the highest floor that you can of this circular staircase that had been destroyed, obviously. There was two floors you couldn't access before, but you reached the highest one. And as you hover out onto it, make me a perception check, please. Uh, 17. Virian, as you hover onto this floor, you are immediately surrounded by not bookshelves and books, but statues upon statues upon statues. And as you gaze at them, you see humans and elves, Asimars. You see all different races and types of creatures up here. All in perfect detail. They seem different poses. But this whole floor is just covered in all of these statues. Is Knives here with me at this point? Uh, Knives at this moment just catches up to you as he comes out of the tube and kind of flies over to you. And what in the fuck is this? Okay, crazy fairy. I don't really know how the legends and stories work down here. A gesture at the statues. Do you reckon these are the people that were never allowed to leave? You see... Knives' face kind of drops as he hovers over and gets real close to one of the statues. I can literally see the pools. He turns back around, look at you. We are fucked. We are so fucked. Wow. I... What do you propose we do? We have to get Wyatt back as quickly as we can. Agreed. And is there any way to continue from this floor? As you kind of hover now above this almost sea of statues, you notice there is one other pipe up here that you didn't notice before, farther off the back wall of this highest floor. 
guess we go this way. Well, I guess there's no other choice but to. You see, once again, Knives has the hand cannon in his hand and has not put it away since you've begun flying around. This is probably going to get messy, Virion. So, I guess let's be prepared for anything. Okay. And the two of you fly into this other pipe. But meanwhile... So Wyatt. <laughs> okay, here we go. As Knives and Virian zoom through the air, heading towards this dark tunnel, as they hit the inky blackness of the tunnel, the camera kind of zooms to another inky black tunnel here in the library of Ganymede. As Wyatt, you feel completely weightless as these tentacle eye stalks are wrapped around you. You have two of them wrapped around you and you can see now much closer the milky eyes at the end of them. But while they might be milky, you can feel the power emanating off of these eye stalks as one of them is emitting a fierce cold energy and another one is emitting, emitting a fierce heat as they both are wrapped around you. And you can see in another one of the stalks, the book that Virian had put on the ground as you are propelled through the air, through this tunnel. And moving at a very rapid pace, you suddenly come to a stop and then make a sharp left as you zoom through this tunnel into a huge, expansive, stone rectangular room as this pipe opens up into this huge leveled rectangular room the floor sunken deep down down many floors like almost a stadium style setup where it is multiple levels but every level is being able to be seen from where you are at this top and as you your eyes take a moment to readjust to light you suddenly look out and instead of seeing once again books as you've seen on every other floor, Wyatt, you are greeted by hundreds, maybe even thousands of statues lining each and every one of these layers of this huge rectangular room. Layers upon layers, statues upon statues as Yukis flies you through, coming into this massive room. <laughs> this is going to be a wonderful day! I was watching Barry reading over your shoulder and walking around you, sorry. <laughs> oh, these wonderful cats. Wyatt, as you keep coming and you hear Yuke's booming voice, it actually rattles your very chest, being this close to this booming voice. And it, he comes to a stop 
almost in the center of this room, over this sea of statues. Do you like my works of art? Um, I, I've got to be honest, I'm a bit high up. Could you show me a bit closer? Without a second thought, the beholder lowers down and actually sets you on the ground in the center of this massive room. Well, thank you, thank you for thank you thank you for the for the uh, for the escort. I appreciate that. Um, I will examine some of the statues. Uh, make me an investigation check. Fifteen. Wyatt, you stand in the middle. This uh the part where he's dropped you off is kind of probably about an eight by six rectangle, and you are surrounded by about seven statues. Three different elves, a couple humans, and what looks like a gnome. And the thing that you notice about all of them is the look of fear that is carved into the face of these statues. Internally, why it's like, Jesus Christ, what the hell? Um, externally, um, why it's these are your works of art? They're <laughs> incredibly lifelike. You see a huge, toothy grin across this beholder's face as the milky, mane giant eye, though not able to focus on you, just moving around at all times, and any time that it actually is directly on you, you feel a bit of just your essence almost being drained away and kind of makes contact with you as you are just... <laughs> Oh, yes. Very lifelike at one time. <laughs> right. Um. Well, they're, they're, they're very impressive, yes. Very impressive indeed. Um. So, you said that, uh, you had that. Oh. Would you be able to give me a hand? You know, I gave you your book, you give me this book, hopefully. Oh, yes, of course. You wanted to read the book. Of yes. course, of yes. course. Yes, please. Yes, oh, yes, yes. And you feel, once again, the eye stalks kind of come down and wrap themselves around your chest before you once again feel completely weightless and lifted into the air. And you're lifted straight up as Yukis lifts you both up and up to the ceiling of this stone chamber before you hear a click noise and suddenly a shoo as a huge piece of stone slides open, revealing another huge tube entrance. And Yukis floats the two of you up through the tube 
as this massive stone uh, slab slides closed behind you, giving you in total darkness. My um, ranger helmet will give me 60 foot of dark vision, but that's only 60 foot. Uh, This is absolute inky blackness, where even dark vision does not pierce this. You are, for the first time in a long time, without any ability to see anything. Okay. As you feel yourself still being raised up and up and up. Above you, you can see the end of the tunnel. A light, if you will, as you keep going up and up. For you exit out of the tunnel and the pressure immediately changes as you enter into a huge, vast, open dome. It takes your eyes, once again, a moment to adjust to the newfound light in here as you see this huge, probably 80 by 100 foot foot dome that you are in is covered all in stained glass. All these stained glass uh, objects around you. Wyatt, your eyes adjust. You see all of this stained glass around you. And as you begin to look about, you start to recognize different deities and different gods and different things of that nature all lining all of these stained glass panes, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of stained glass panes, making up this massive, huge dome that you are floating up into. And as you keep floating up and you look directly above you in the very center at the top of this dome in the middle piece of stained glass, a huge depiction of Yukis himself almost lording over all of the rest of these stained glass pieces of massive blue light coming through the stained glass of Yukis, lighting this entire huge, vast expanse of a dome. It's just, it's just like blue in here, is it? It is. Bluish hue, okay. Wow. Yukus, this, this this room's amazing. <laughs> why why thank you, small human Well respect where it's given, you know. Um you Question for the DM. Um if a picture of Yukus, is it in his is it with his eye looking normal or as it is now? His eye looking normal. Okay. And the blue light is actually coming out of what would be his iris of his actual normal eye. Yeah. Jukus. Yeah, I feel I feel so sad for you. How you been stuck in here so long? I want to help you, if I can. You wish to help me, do you? Well, let's be fair. We've not known each other that long, literally a few minutes, but 
You clearly have the power to kill me like that. And yet, you've been nothing but courteous to me. So I feel that, you know, courtesy is due. You're helping me, I can help you. If I can, I will. You know? Well, Wyatt, as it were, I am so glad to hear you say that, as I do have something you can help me with. To quote Kerry, oh god, what have I done? As Yukis, uh, you were just floating straight up into this uh, kind of domed area, and as you kind of reach the zenith of it, Wyatt, can you make me a perception check, please? Yeah, Perception is a dirty 20. Wyatt, as you kind of reach the zenith of this dome, you now, for the first time, you were kind of entranced by all of the stained glass and the blue light, and it took your eyes a little bit to fully adjust to everything in your surroundings. But as you reach the top and you kind of look down, you realize that the tube entrance kind of distorted your view and you didn't notice the stuff around you as you came up. But you now see what looks to be just a sea of chalkboards and whiteboards and pegboards and digital monitors and just all of these aligned in this huge circular pattern across this huge domed floor. And as you look down at it, you, as a detective yourself, immediately realize that you are basically looking at someone's, best way to describe it, brain style. As this is clearly all, this is Yukis' private chambers. These are Yukis' thoughts. Yukus, um, forgive me, forgive me for asking. I need, I'm just, I'm still new to, you know, how things are doing it. Um, you can't see, no? You feel the eye stalks themselves tighten around your chest. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I ask for respect because I have a question. I have a follow up question. That's why I have a follow up question. Ask. With with that inability, you're able to fill all of these receptacles, lack of a better term, with words which I can read. How are you able to do that? The eye stalks themselves bring you to directly in front of the huge center's uh, milky eye of Yukis. And as he begins to talk, you can feel your very, once again, your chest shakes as he speaks with the deepness. And These are my notes from before my sight was taken. By that bastard dragonborn. Okay, okay, I understood. I understood. I, I, I mean no disrespect. I was asking. I didn't know if it was before or after. I apologize. I'm sorry. 
Well, once again, you said you could help me. And you can help me. What do you need doing? What, 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 what? Can you, can you finally loosen the grip, please? <laughs> you actually feel the tentacles tighten once again around you as you begin to lower and lower and to the center of this room, exactly where the beam of light comes down from the top. And as you get a little lower, can I have you make another perception check, please, Wyatt? That is a dirty, that is a, that is a crit 20 plus 3. Wyatt, the first thing you notice as you are descending, as you get a little closer and can see a little bit more of the writing on these, all these boards that are around, you realize that you can't read any of it. And it appears to be in some sort of coded language that you have never seen before. And it is more symbols and just almost hieroglyphs at times. But you cannot make out any of actual words or any of these things. But you can see that some of the boards have what look like string and such attaching them. And it it looks like a madman's just manifesto almost kind of thing as you're descending. But as you get a little closer to the ground... And you can see that this, what this beam of light is illuminating. You can see a single wooden stool in the middle of the ground next to a bookshelf by itself. And as you get lower and lower, Yukis drops you onto the ground and you land. Not a problem. He only dropped from about five feet up. But then Yukis kind of raises back up to about 10 feet above you. And you look around and you realize that you are lower than the actual boards themselves. You're about a good six feet below the actual floor and in kind of this pit with a wooden stool and a bookshelf. And Yukis above you. Now, you said you could help me, and you wanted the book. Well, I want you to read to me. Right, okay. Um, what's the book you want me to read to you? Wyatt, as you look around this now picture in, you can see that there are only six books on this bookshelf. Well, five books that you can easily read the spines of, and one that, as you get a little closer, you're not really sure. You can read the spines quite easily of the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe, Dragon Ball Supre, arcs one through three. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, Biohazard Code Jacqueline, a novelization, and Love in the Time of Dragons, a graphic romance novel. Okay. Okay. Um, which book do you want me to read, Yukus? 
Well, you are the one who said that you are looking for the book. I have given you the book to read. Okay. <clears throat> I'll pick up both. <laughs> White, yes. <laughs> um, White picked up the book of the one that he doesn't, like, he doesn't actually can't read the spine of. Wyatt, you reach out and grab the book that doesn't seem to have any writing on the spine. And the minute your hand closes on it, even through your ranger gloves, it feels odd. It's like oddly squish, squishier than it should be. As you pull out what seems to be bound in some type of leather, and you can see basically carved into the front of this leather bound book, Multiversal History and Practical Application by C. Everett Smythe. Okay. Is there a particular part you want me to read or just start beginning? You are the one who quested for this book. So I thought you had something you wish to read from it. I thought it would be a good start to our relationship. Okay. Um, Wyatt will turn to page one. Wyatt, as to, you... To look at the content, basically. Wyatt, as you open the cover of this book and you stare at the first page, you immediately see the kind of dried, almost... It's not black ink writing. It's almost a almost a dark brownish that it looks like this is written in. And... As you open to look at the first page, you immediately see what look to be the scribblings of a madman. And to call this an actual book would be a bit of a stretch as you open to what seems to be, as it says at the top, day one. And as you quickly kind of glance through the page, you realize that this seems to be almost a journal of someone. Hmm. And as you kind of page through the book, day two, day three, just seems to be just normal day-to-day events as you read about this man's day-to-day life, getting up, eating breakfast, going to work not hitting on 
be his boss, even though he really wants to. The unrequited love affair that he really thinks would happen between them. Living his kind of sad, boring life. Day five. Day six. Day ten. Day twelve. Every now and again, I'll, every now and again, I'll say, I'll say, do bear with me. I've got to find the right page, okay? Day seventeen, day eighteen. This man talking about his therapist thought this would be good for him to put his day-to-day life in, into down on paper. Maybe it'll make it make more sense. Day nineteen, day twenty. Day 21, the images are back again. I see them constantly, what look like other versions of me moving throughout the day, doing very similar things to me, but not exactly the same as they are. I see them everywhere. I see other people and other echoes of themselves. Nobody else sees them. Doctor says I'm just imagining them. Day 30. Day 32. Day 40. I don't care what they say. I know this is all real. I I know it. I've seen these images. I know that that was me that got hit by that train. I felt it. I felt it in my bones that I stepped off of that platform, but... Here I am still. Doctor says I'm I'm really losing it. I don't know what to believe anymore. Am I going crazy? I haven't been to work in days. Did anyone even notice? Did I go to work? Remember going to work? Or do I remember going to work? Day 50. Day 51. Day 52. Day 57. I think I found something. It seems to be a a crack, almost. It's like just a small little splintery crack in the floor of my house. That as I pulled back the carpet, it's there. But no one else seems to see it. But I see it. It's there. Crack! It's there. I know it. Day 60. Day 61. Crack seems to have taken up the entire house. No one else sees it. The whole house itself is cracking apart, but I'm the only one who notices. I don't... I don't know. I don't understand. Quiet as you're continuing to read, suddenly, mucus from above. This is fucking boring! Read me something else! Um. Okay. Um. What? Pocket the. Mike puts that in, in his, uh backpack and picks another book off the shelf and begins to read it at random. I'm going to guess that it's going to be the smut. 
Uh, roll me a d6. <laughs> Five. Wyatt, as you very gracefully... <laughs> Put the. <laughs> multiversal theory and practical application book down and reach out your hand towards the shelf. You get a little ping in the side of your helmet visor saying. Low power. Low power. Low power. As your hand rests on. Love in the Time of Dragons, a graphic romance novel. Question for the DM, how much power is actually left? You don't actually understand why. You started with a full power, basically, at mm -hmm. this time, but it seems that something is draining it quite rapidly, and it looks like you have about 5% of your total power remaining right now, which equates to about three minutes. I'm gonna hit the power down button as I grab it. The armor fades away as you open the first page of Love in a Time of Dragons and begin to read this very smutty book. Smutty book to this beholder above you, and you see a creepy smile form across this giant beholder's face. As you also see above him, Wyatt, images form, and you can actually see bits of the story playing out. Okay. As you uh, continue. Okay. I as I as I continue to read from the book too, um, to you, Gus. The the book is in my backpack now. You have one, yeah. Uh, you put the other book on the floor at this time. You weren't able to put it in your backpack at that time. Okay, I will put it in my backpack whilst reading with one hand. So, so doing it as quiet as I can. Uh, make me a stealth check at disadvantage. Actually, make me a sleight of hand check at disadvantage. Sleight of hand at advantage. Okay. Well, I dropped the nat 20. Thankfully, my second roll was an 18, so that's 21. Wyatt, as you are holding with one hand, it's actually quite large romance novel, and you are reading it to Yukis with your other hand, you manage to pick up this leather-bound book, and you are about to, just about to slide it into your backpack as... You hear, uh, and, uh, you see on the side of the pit, a bit of a, like, almost laser blast hits it, and you hear Yukis from above. No need to put that anywhere. You won't ever be leaving again, so no need to concern yourself. I'll drop, I will drop, I will drop the book. Is the book damaged, or is it just... 
No, the book's not damaged at all. The uh, disintegration ray actually hit a piece of the wall, not any the book at all. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah, and I put the book. Why it is you? I'll continue reading. Drop the book and continue to read. The images once again begin to reform above Yukis. You see the scenes being played out in actually kind of gross, disgusting detail as you are forced to now just read a gross, disgusting romance novel to this floating beholder. But meanwhile, the camera zooming kind of away from this scene, Wyatt sitting on a stool in the middle of a sunken pit with a beholder over the top of him as he reads to him. The camera kind of zooms to the sky or flying across to the outskirts of Ganymede, zooming straight down into the giant glass period. Glass pyramid of the band of atomism flying down multiple levels, zooming through hallways, down stairwells, before coming back to the mess hall to find, still by themselves, Damien sitting there, just watching Julius peck at these skewered pieces of chicken. Just watching, just like, yeah, I'm fun there. Julius looks up at you, Damien, and kind of cocks his head to the side, staring at you for a moment. We're going back to pecking at the chicken. Don't give me that look. I gave you the chicken. I will not have sass from my own spirit bird. As you say that, the doors open up of the mess hall and you once again see Aldrich Dam Damocles step in to the room for locking eyes with you and making his way over. Uh, uh, Damien, right? Generic man number four, right? He gives you a smile. Funny. Uh, the general would like to see you if possible. There's been a development with Bart. Medbay. Uh, no, well, yes, but follow me. I'll take you to them. Where? I kind of look at Julius. I'm like, come get me when you finish the chicken. <laughs> Once again, Julius looks up at you and almost, what's it? It's, it's Julius is giving you a bit of an odd expression. And just because you know Julius so well, we're just staring at you before going back to pecking at the chicken. Something weird. <laughs> My bird son is being weird. Uh, but Aldrich stands there waiting for you. Lead on. And Aldrich turns on his heel and heads back out the mess hall. We. <laughs> you begin to make your way back down the hall that you were before. You pass back by the huge portal that was shown to you by Eveline. 
And as you pass back by it, Aldric goes, So, uh, what did you think of General Leonidas? I'm not their biggest fan. Yeah, I didn't think you would be when I met you, but, you know, there wasn't anything to do about it, but let you find out on your own. Yes, well, I'm not a fan of people who can influence me. <sighs> yeah, she hates it herself. As her right-hand man, I know how much she struggles with it all the time. Yes, she was very apologetic. Oh, you should see it if she actually turns the charm on. She would literally get anything she wanted from you without you even batting an eye. If she ever tries that, I'll try and fucking kill her. Ah, <sighs> Damien, you are an interesting one. And uh, I, I don't know what's happened to you in your past, but I'm sorry for it. life. You keep making your way down this hallway, back into the main entry hall, making your way completely across it, back into the hallway that Aldrich led you down originally. You come to the medical examiner's door, but you actually just keep going past it before Aldrich stops at a large painting, turning and hitting a hidden button in the side as the painting slides to the side and a stairwell is uh, revealed leading downwards. Well, I'm just you know, saying, if you lot wanted to kill me, you could have just done it in the open. You don't have to take me to a weird basement. <laughs> uh, no, you know, we... The damaged and the sick are always the ones, if anything were to happen, a siege or anything of that nature that we want protected. So as you make your way down this stairwell, you come to a door that just reads ICU. And as he opens it up, you see down another long corridor. And as the door opens up, uh, a few, probably about 20 feet down the corridor, you can see General Calypso Leonidas II standing in front of a glass window. I stop oh. a healthy distance away. <laughs> Aldrich stops with you, or keeps walking forward. Uh, General, I have brought him. Um, as always, all glory, the band of atomism, and you need anything from me, just call. As Aldrich gives a salute towards General Leonidas, who hasn't even turned to him at all, just staring into this glass window. As Aldrich turns and walks back by you. Uh, Damien, once again, it's been fun meeting with you, actually. Everyone else around here is kind of a stiff, so yeah, been a lot of fun. Don't die to any mystical horrors. Well, I mean, that's what we're here for, but have fun with the general. <clears throat> and Aldrich walks back by you, back up the stairs, closing the door behind you. 
I'm literally as close as I can get, such that I can see into the into the like past the glass wall, but without being near her. Yeah, Damien, as you actually step forward a bit, you can actually see to like the walls themselves are all basically made of glass. As you look, there is to your left, it's uh, Ward 1. You can see it's completely empty, and to your right is Ward 3. As you step forward a little bit far, or bit farther forward, you can see that General Calypso is standing in front of Ward 2. And you stop at the very edge of the glass wall, and she is a bit farther down by the actual door into the room. And she once again doesn't even turn to gaze at you as you look into Ward 2, and you can see Doc, the Warforged medical examiner, standing over a unconscious Bart. As you can see multiple different uh, medical uh, tubes and other such kind of winding into Bart's body, and monitors and such just beeping away. Deet, deet, deet. You can see Bart laying on this bed as Doc kind of fusses over him, his massive frame kind of hulking over this smaller tiefling, but working with great care. Stubborn bastard. Without turning once again. He's in a coma. Yay. I know. I, I know you said you don't care, and I know that you said this tiefling and vicious have done terrible things to you already. But Doc said he found something. So I thought you would want to see whatever it was. Sure. Hey, coma's better than death. Well, I guess for him. Yes, I... I guess we shall see. As General Calypso turns, grabbing the novel, or knobbed the door, uh, opening the ward, and gesturing for you to step in. <laughs> I, like, edge through <laughs> Uh, Calypso is actually keeping her eyes down and hasn't made eye contact with you at all. And as she hasn't done that, you don't feel the effects as much at this time. And uh, make me an insight check real quick, please. Well, I can do. is a 16. You can tell with that inside check as you see Calypso like keep trying to look away from you and she is doing this intentionally for your benefit. <sighs> Damien is confused by the idea Loki what the fuck by the idea of people doing things for his comfort. <laughs> Damien, as you step into the actual ward, once again, you've been around a lot of death 
in your time, both of the land of the living, and then now even in your time here in Ganymede and Wolfham. And as you step in, the smell of iron and blood is palpable. It hits you in the face like a lead balloon as you step in here and just the beeping of the machine. So many different machines beeping over and over. And can you make me a perception check with advantage, please? Uh, with advantage, that's a dirty 20. As you, the smell just hits you in the face, you look at Bart, or what was Bart before, as you see multiple tubes and bandages covering different parts of this yellowish-orange tiefling, but what skin you can see is cracked. And as you look at the pieces of Bart that you can actually see they are exposed or not covered in bandages, it looks as if he's a... The best way to describe it is a puzzle. It looks as if something turned Bart into a puzzle and pieces are legitimately missing of this puzzle. As you can see, just pieces of flesh, not looking like they were torn or anything away from the face, but just not there. And just the shallow breathing of this tiefling, which you can see barely holding on a tube coming directly out of his chest. And you can just see his lips kind of moving constantly. As this huge warforge kind of hulks over him, his tendril-like fingers of one of his hands kind of moving over each inch of Bart, checking each individual bandage and each individual insertion of a needle. As you see just a bag of liquids that is just drip, 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 dripping. As you see it's intravenously into his arm. As Doc, the Warforged, looks up at you. Oh, it's you again. <sighs> um, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. This, this is like... General, we deal in the multiverse, and we've seen some elder scores. I've never in my time seen something quite like this. You see General Calypso, kind of with her arms uh, crossed across her chest, just staring. Okay, Doc, well, what, what do you mean you've never seen anything like this? Okay. You said you said he took you plane shifted you two, right? Yeah. It looks like he tried to plane shift himself and the battalion. It it, it looks like this man tried to pass himself through a cheese grater. He's just missing parts of himself. And as Doc literally pushes, he just points. You see this bandage around his stomach right there? There's nothing under there. That's a pool of blood at this moment. He's 
literally missing pieces of himself that he, like, I don't know how to explain this. I, I've seen injuries here in Ganymede and Wolfham that come from the ill use of these spells. This is to the nth degree of that. I've never seen damage done like this before. Well, there's been a lot going on lately that no one's seen before. You see him? You see his lips are moving? He hasn't stopped. He's just repeating the same three words over and over again. What is he saying? I... It doesn't make any sense. sense. It's... And you see, he, like, turns... It was, it was louder before. Um, hold on. And you literally see the Warforge, like his eyes kind of roll back for a second and they're all white and suddenly a little speaker and you hear in almost perfect, you hear perfectly in like a strained bard voice. And the Warforged goes back to the normal blue eyes of it. He just keeps saying it over and over. It's gotten quieter and it t- comes and goes, but... I don't know. Does it mean anything to you? Not immediately. But then again, we weren't close. Well, great. But I don't know if you're going to have answers about this next thing either. As you see Doc, the Warforged, turn around and grab something off the counter behind him before turning back in his large, kind of almost clawed hand. He had this gem embedded in his chest. And Damien, you recognize it immediately because you were handed one by a lich not that long ago as a memory crystal. And I don't... It looks, and once again, I don't know what the hell is going on here, but it looks like he did this to himself. I mean, I know what that is. And you, the Warforged turns to you. What is it? I, I kind of dig around in my pockets and I pull out the one I have. Storage, really. For memories. And you see the Warforged turn and looks at General Calypso. So you're saying those fuckers over in Ganymede Central are storing memories now? What in the fuck have you gotten us into this time, General? I'm kind of staring at the gem he's holding with a face of fucking give that to me. General Calypso quickly notices you doing... Oh, oh. 
Yes, yes, no, no. Um, Doc, give, give, give him the crystal. He, he clearly knew Bart. He must, he knows how to use it, I would assume. Do you know how to use it, Damien? Yeah. If it works, these kind of gems tend to have similar mechanisms. I know how to work this one. You see the tendril fingers of Doc actually pick the gem up from his other hand and then kind of weirdly snake-like grossly slither them over to it. The gem is just being held right in front of you. Well, there you go then. I take it and I'm just like, that was unnecessary, but all right. And Doc goes back to tending to the bandages and such of Bart. Piece of advice, Doc. If if his eyes go all staticky, kill him. Oh, uh, alright. What do you mean by staticky? As in... Well... If his eyes go static and he starts kind of oozing black goo, it's some infection that's been going around the main city. Once again, Doc slash Doctor uh, is a Warforge, but you can feel the amount of annoyance of you saying there's an infection going around the main city. And then just a piercing glare towards the general before he just turns back with a deep sigh and goes back to working on the bandages and IVs of Bart. Well, I don't know what the hell you two are going to do with that thing, but you sure as fuck don't need to do it in here, so get the hell out of here so I can deal with this. I kind of look at Bart and I'm like, Kind of mutter under my breath. Maybe I should put him out of misery, and then I'll walk out the door. You, Damien, as you exit out the door, you hear Bart himself actually yell out once, "Ragnagopan!" And then just go back to murmuring it under his breath. How do I spell what he's saying? Ah, uh, it is. R-E-G-N-A-G-E-L-P-O-D. Okay. Thank you. As you exit out of the hallway, General Calypso follows behind, closing the door. So, what, what do we need to do? Honestly, I don't... Do you mean with this memory gem, or...? No, I, I guess with the, I... With the half-living corpse of my ex-boss in there? Oh, I, I... I know you hate him, but he and... Doc might be a bit rough around the edges and cranky, but he is literally the best at what he does. If Bart is... Any chance of survival, he is in the best capable hands that have ever existed at this moment. So, that I am not so concerned with. 
What I am concerned with is the contents of a memory gem, as you called it, and why someone, as Doc said, would implant that in their own chest. Well, Bart is Vicious's right-hand man, as it were. The chances are this is not his memory, or at least not entirely his. Well, what do you need my help to access it? Do you need uh, some kind of incantation? I just kind of poked it before, didn't I? You did. <laughs> Damien, art artifact manager extraordinaire. I mean, last time I just kind of jabbed it. We may want to go to a different room just in case something funky happens. Oh, oh, yes, of course. Um, and you see General Calypso walks over to uh, Ward 1 and opens the door. Uh, these are all heavily warded and protected against once the doors are closed, so we should be safe in here. I'm just kind of giving her a skeptical look because I know she's not going to like leave until she's seen it with me but I'm also like I worked fucking hard to get like the one from the lich and things so I'm like <sighs> why are you getting involved apart from uh, the goodness of your heart for the dying guy uh, well I mean you showed up at all door and need of help and I have always been taught that that's that is our job we are the light in the darkness whether it be multiversal or planar we are here to help so I see you are in need and I am here to help hmm. never heard of your kind in my dimension or my old dimension. That fills me with a great sadness. Eh. Not like you would have interfered, so. It's not like I was battling Eldritch Horrors every day. Yes, I. I do believe that we could do much more. And. I intend to prove it. So, let us find out what is on this memory gem, as it were. Sure. This doesn't make us friends. <laughs> you... She, once again, has kept her eyes down, has not looked at you. But for the first time, this entire interaction looks up at you and with a mournful smile, I hope to change that at some point, Damien. I feel that you have a lot that you could offer, both this world and 
the band of atomism. Yes, well. <laughs> Good luck with that! And I'm just going to poke the gem until it does something. Damien, the minute that you actually, like, you had the gem in your hand, sort of, but the minute you touch the point of the gem, it pierces the skin, and a bit of blood comes out and hits the gem, and with a voice you hear... And suddenly, a like magical cloud seems to erupt out of this gem, encompassing both you and General Calypso, and kind of swirls about you until the world comes back into focus. And Damien, you find yourself sitting in Bart's office. Not really sitting as much as you and Calypso seem to be hovering as such. And you see Bart sitting at his desk with this gem kind of like hovering there. Okay, well, um, so I don't know uh, if anyone will ever see this or if this is even something that needs to be done, but I have a terrible feeling about everything that is going on. So, this is my last confession, as someone call it, and also, I suppose, a record of what I've done to hopefully help whoever finds this deal with what I have brought. And you see Bart cross his hands in and put his elbows on the desk as he kind of lowers his head for a second. Damien, you watch as Bart lowers his head, staring down at his desk before raising his eyes. And almost it feels like he's staring directly at you. It was I who commissioned the scientists to study the husks after they came off of both LB, Tam, Damien, Virian, and Cal. I do not know where they came from or what they were, but I knew they had to be studied. And I put on this gem the only record of what occurred on that day down in that lab. I am sorry for the part I played in this. And suddenly the entire kind of scene of staring at Bart whooshes again. <laughs> And suddenly, Damien, you're transported and you see an intact, large glass containment tube. And you immediately recognize lab number two of Ganymede General in the basement. 
you see all of the machines still intact, beeping away, lights going everywhere. 20-odd Ganassi scientists, a few owl folk lab workers, all milling about in this lab, just going about their day. And in the center of this room, in this tube, just a small, minuscule blob of black goo. Not moving, inert, just in the center of this containment tube. These scientists themselves just moving about. One of them finally goes up and begins typing away on the little keyboard in front of the containment tube. Uh, record number, oh, I don't know, what are we at? Uh oh, day. Uh, let's see, day five. Uh, once again, uh, only smallest remaining sample of husks uh, now remains has created itself into a liquid form. Uh, still no movement, completely inert at this time. All right, uh, you see the scientists kind of turn back and look at all the other ones. Well, boys, I uh, think it's about lunch. Lunch, right? Nothing's really going on. This doesn't seem to be doing anything. And you see him tap on the containment tube. And as he taps on the containment tube, suddenly this inert, tiny, black little glob launches itself and slams into the side of this glass. Just... And you see a whole bunch of cracks form in this tube before the scientist slowly turns to look back and has no time as suddenly this this small little glab, uh, black globule latches out and begins to cover this scientist's arm. You hear, ah! Ah! what is happening? What's happening? Oh God! And you see this black goo just begin to cover his entire arm and it moves up his body and you just see skeletal remains as it leaves. Oh God! Oh God! And it just begins to cover and you suddenly see just little pieces of it just shoot off and begin to cover each and every part of this room as you see this black goo begin to just multiply and form more and more of it as you hear these scientists just continue to scream and they begin to run and they're like beating against the door trying to get the containment tube to open up these black globules though just begin to writhe and form more and more as you suddenly see this huge now massive black globule in the center of the room begin to launch and you see about six of the Ganassi scientists turn as these black globules launch and go directly down their throats and you see them fall to the ground as these owl folk are flapping in the air just staring at each other going, what do we do? What do we do? And suddenly the black globules come after them in almost like a tidal wave taking down these owl folk and slamming them into the ground before you see this black glue kind of slide backwards and just kind of sit there in a giant kind of massy gelatinous state before you see the six Ganassi scientists stand back up and two of the owl folk lab workers stand up static in their eyes 
before they slowly walk and unlock the containment tube. And you see it open before suddenly all the alarms in the hospital start going. And you see the scene once again goes to smoke before you're suddenly sitting back in Bart's office, seeing the orange tiefling sitting there. I, I'm so, so sorry. I don't, I don't know what this is, what's, what's at play, but there is something much bigger, bigger at work here. It's, it's all connected. It's all connected. The aquarium, all the disappearances over all the years, there is something bigger at play here. Someone is trying to destroy Ganymede from the ground up, and I don't know who it is. It's all my fault. And now, Damien's dead? I mean, Grozny got back days ago and said that they were taken out. This is all on me. And Master Vicious is asleep? I thank God that he's not here on Ganymede right now. But I'm sorry. I don't I don't know what to do. And if you're watching this, I pray that you can figure it out and do something about it. And to this is to anyone who I did anything wrong to, I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. This is all my fault. And Bart's head drops as the smoke kind of whooshes before you find yourself standing back in the ward across from Calypso. Damien's entire body is probably pulsating with, like, his dark... Well, it's like a combination of his shadow magic, but also just the pure death that comes with being one of the Raven Queens. And he is shaking with rage. You see General Calypso standing there in her full plate armor. Okay, um... So, I know you're upset right now, but I need you to calm down. Oh, you want me to fucking calm down? That bastard. I killed over three and a half million people because he couldn't sate his fucking curiosity. I, I'm sorry, Damien. I, I understand your anger right now, but what I and he said there was more at work here. We can deal with the repercussions and Damien, I promise you this, I will prosecute that tiefling to the most extent and we will make sure that he is punished for what he has done to you. If he what? wakes up, I'm killing him. Give a shit about your law or your right of fucking trial. He is dead. I'm only in this shit 
because of some dumbass demons. I get brought here and then Vicious finds me and now I'm just in the shit. I've died three times and I keep coming back and there's more shit. I was in a fucking tank the other day. I am so fucking done with this dimension. See, Calypso gives a very deep sigh. I'm sorry to say I don't think this dimension is done with you, Damien. Never are. Couldn't just let me fucking die the first time, but no, let's die a second time. Let's die a third time. Let's get killed by a fucking replica of one of my party. Let's get blown up in an aquarium. Let's get nuked in a fucking hospital. Let's land in some random pyramid with a bunch of people who seem to be very nice and I don't understand why they're fucking here. Okay, you have now given me a lot to unpack right there with that little statement. What? What do you mean that you were once again a part of the aquarium explosion? I need to know everything about the aquarium blowing up. We followed my party originally was myself, Virian, who is another who is another warlock. Virian is a lovely elf, all hell, sparkly. A dwarf, known as LB, and Cow. Is it back? There was also Tam, who got replicated. Some imposter was running around as Tam, and for some reason took some fucking winged asshole's men. We had to follow them, we had to find them, otherwise. The winged guy would kill us, though I don't think he was going to kill me, so I really should have just fucked off. We followed this trail of... it wasn't really blood, it was kind of silver. Outside the barrier, into the rain. To the aquarium. We got there, and there was some weird-ass... We jokingly called it the Taminator, because it looked like Tam, but it was also like weird robot. It had... Headless Azamar. And it set off a chain explosion that killed all of us. You can see the wheels just turning in Calypso's head as she stares at you. Damien, I... No, you don't want to be a part of any of this. But as as you say, the bastard in there said on that message, there seems to be something much bigger at play here. I'm aware, and I'm also aware that I'm the only one that fucking knows all the pieces at this point that we know of. 
Avery as fuck knows where. He's probably dead. Wyatt and Virion, I don't know. Something very dumb is probably happening right now. I don't know if they'll live. <laughs> Matt turned on his camera just to shrug and then turned it off again. For whatever reason, the only two of our party that survived the aquarium was myself and Virian. I don't know why Virian survived. I'm glad he did. He's a decent guy. But, you know, I had a weird conversation with the void and gave me magic. Well, more magic. Just kind of gesture in shadow. And, yeah, that infection that you saw starting in that vision, that goo. That substance was surrounding all of our bodies when they were found. In like, cocoons, really. And eventually the cocoons fell away from myself and Virion. But all that remained were the husks of our friends. And like those Ganassi that you saw, they're dead. We met them, and we murdered them. But the husks of our dead friends got up and tried to murder us, so that was a fun day. I blew up the hospital. That was supposed to be the end of the contamination. But the reason why Bartplane shifted us here is because some fucker who said I was dead and left me, left me out in the wild... Yeah, Terminator's still there, just an FYI. <laughs> Blew up a tank I was in. I woke up. I came back, I found out that my death had been greatly exaggerated. I cornered the guy responsible with Bart, and his eyes went static. Along with all of his... All of his soldiers. We weren't going to win that fight. Which means... Best case scenario... There's, what, ooh, ten or so infected roaming around? Most likely case scenario, the entirety of the Golden Crane is fucked. Ganymede City is fucked. This entire dimension is fucked. So, uh, good luck. Clips out, just... Now, fully staring at you, you aren't feeling that feeling of love right now. What you are feeling is an emotion of, it's hard to put it any other way, but almost a battle cry of an emotion where you can feel Calypso themselves is building themselves up as they stare at you, and it's almost it's just exuding off of them. Damien, there are a lot of times when the multiverse itself has been on the brink of destruction, and we of the Band of Atomism have brought it back. Now, I don't quite understand what is going on here at all but I will tell you this we the band of atomism 
will stand behind you. You're forgetting one thing, Calypso. And I do look at her properly. Who says I'm standing in their way? I suppose that is the question here, Damien. Will you stand? Why would I? Well, why wouldn't you? I am a creature of survival. That's how I've gotten this far. It's how I've died three times and gotten back up. It's how I made it, knowing Bart and pissing him off regularly. It's... You kept apologizing during our first proper conversation. You kept... I wouldn't say pity, but it felt like it. Pitying the road I'd taken to become who I am. And having an inkling of that and an inkling of what drives me. What is there to gain by me staying here? Well, Damien, as you said, you are a creature of survival. You should know that with what you've seen and what I've just seen, that survival is going to probably get quite difficult very soon. And that it may be best to have some others who wish to see you survive standing in your corner. I will admit I I know not of any of this. And without you, I do not know if I can convince the rest of the Ministers of the Watch to get behind this cause. So I do. I leave it to you, Damien. You may decide if you would like to stand or if you would like to go, I will give you whatever provisions you would require. I need time. I understand. I will leave you here. Take as much time as you need. And Calypso turns and begins to head towards the door. She does stop just as she reaches the door and her hand on the knob. She doesn't turn back, but you hear her speak. Once again, Damien. I know you don't want to care or seem to care, but I will say, I feel that you have a lot off of this realm and that you should let yourself care, maybe just this once. Before she opens the door, walking out and closing it behind her.
But meanwhile... Avery. The softness under the back of your head. Just so cozy, so comfortable. The warmth of the blanket over your body. The sounds of birds chirping coming from the window. The general warmth of sunlight as it just slowly crests the hills and seeps in through your bedroom dormitory window at your college. As you once again wake up and look around into your old dormitory room. wake up, look about, you check your sides where you were stabbed, there's no holes, but you're still, your hand is a hand, it's not metal, and heart is beating once again. Sniff the air. What is that smell? It smells... Is that fish? Smells of the cooking of fish. As you look out your window and the sun isn't just cresting the hills, it's actually perfectly in the center of the sky where you expect the sun to be at midday. As you look out over onto the expansive campus of Sixar Academy, School of Arcane Arts. I'll get back up. What would you like to do? Now standing up once again in your dormitory. Do I have any health left? Do I have like my light to one HP or something? Because I was down to zero at the end of the last bit. What did you start the last uh, time HP at? 19. You have 19 HP right now. like to do? Great question. What would I like to do? That other book, the book that was on the other bed, is that still there? There is a book still lying on the other bed. I want to pick it up in... What does it say? Uh, Avery, as you pick up this book and you open it up to just blank page after blank page after blank page, 
and you quickly scroll through the entire book and it's just all empty pages, one after another. I'm going to add, I'm going to put that book in the component bag next to my other book that I use for my spellcasting. Take one last deep breath in, leave the dormitory again. You once again step out into the halls of the dormitories, the sound of the door closing behind you, echoing down this massive hallway as it's still just completely empty. No other life besides you. And it leads off to two different directions, doesn't it? One I know is the kitchen on the left. Uh, you do know that, I mean, either way will lead you out into the courtyards, which could take you to any of the other buildings here on the 6R Academy grounds. I'm going to go right. The opposite way to where I because I went left, which took me to canteen. So I think I'm going to go the other way. Sure. Uh, you begin to make your way down the hallway, turning the opposite way that you did the last time. Just this time walking by doors and doors of other dormitory rooms, uh, seeing no other signs of people besides just the chairs and the clothes and everything that seemingly just cover these rooms, but no other person. You keep walking, walking. You finally come to the opposite end, which leads out the back side of the building of the dormitories, taking you out onto the back side of the courtyard, over which you can see as you come out, you can see the paths to either the lecture halls off down to the right, or you can see the uh, path towards the uh, laboratories for practical application of magic straight ahead. I think I'll go to the lecture hall. You're going to go to the lecture halls? Yeah. Alright. You turn right and head down the path, making your way towards the lecture halls here of the 6R Academy. Once again, no one on these paths, which, as you always remember, it just always being a bustling campus, just alive with life at all times, always some other classmates, students, teachers, professors, someone always out on the pass having a good time, maybe, uh, you know, practicing their magic in cute little ways or playing little card games with other friends or things like that. But this is just quiet. The only sound, the sounds of the chirping birds in the distance and the wind every once in a while whipping through. But the weather itself is gorgeous as you make your way down this path, as you finally make your way to the huge lecture hall that it holds 
at least 20 different 100-person auditoriums hold these huge lectures as you walk up these stone steps to the grand entrance. Stepping inside the lecture hall, you can hear from the far, far end of the hallway what sounds like a murmuring of someone talking from one of the halls at the far end. Recognize the murmuring or how it sounds? Uh, you are too far away at this time to recognize it, um, but if you would like to make your way towards there, you can. Avery, you make your way through the corridor of this lecture hall, walking past multiple different auditoriums, as you though finally make your way all the way to the end and the main auditorium, and above it, you can see Hall of Graviturgy, as you can hear a murmuring from the inside, as someone is clearly giving a lecture. Cautiously open the door. Avery, as you open, cautiously open this door, the wind just kind of whips, a cold wind whips out of it as suddenly you are inside of this lecture hall and the door slams behind you. And you see very far, standing in front of a dais, in front of this huge, probably 120 person seat lecture hall, stands one of your mentors, probably one of the most important elves in your life also the most destructive elf in your life, as you see Quinlet standing in front of this dais, staring up at you in front of these doors. Well, are you going to take your seat? So I don't think I'll take a seat. I'll go like, how many rows are there? Uh, there's about 20 rows. I'll take row number 15 on the right hand side and just like sit on the seat closest to the stairs, walk that head down into the um, lecture hall. As you walk down this long path of the lecture hall along the bath till you get to the stairs, you begin to walk down the stairs to the 15th row in this completely empty 120 person seat lecture hall. Quinless eyes never leaving you as she just watches you as you slowly take your seat in the 15th row. Oh, it's not leave hers. Well, good. Now we can finally begin the lesson. And as she turns, now, graviturgy is the study of the way gravity affects all of us and the power that it holds is unimaginable. But that's not what you're here to learn about, is it, Avery? No, it's not. As the dais that she is standing in front of disappears, she's just staring directly into your eyes. 
What is it you're here to learn about, Avery? Why I'm here. This isn't right. I wasn't here before. Something's... Something's off. Especially the fact that you're here. Oh, and why wouldn't I be here? She cocks her head to the side, and as you're staring at her, a massive hole just forms in her chest, and you can literally see directly through to the other side as a little bit of viscous and such just kind of drips between the now gaping hole that goes from the middle of her chest to the out of her back, just staring through her as her eyes never leave yours. None of this is real. I'm trapped in a cycle. Oh no. This. Oh no, my boy. This is very, very real. And what you've done to all of us, you will pay for. I only finished when you started. Only finished what I started, you sad little, sick little boy. You came to me! You were the one that screwed up, and I, I gave you everything. And then, when we had our chance, what did you do? You stabbed me in the back! I gave you the means to have anything you wanted, and you spit in my face! You would have destroyed everything. We had no choice. That is what you wanted! That is what we wanted! That is what we were we working for! You came to me in your rage. You know what they had done to you. They had cast you aside, and you came to me. Not the other way around. And then, when the time was for you to stand by me, you, you, Avery, are the one who ruined this all. This is your fault, Avery. It always has been. I understand. That's my fault. It's too late to fix the damages that have happened. But something says it's not the end of what begun. You see Quinleth smile at you. Oh no. Oh no, my boy. This is far, far from over. Can you make me a perception check, Avery? I think, I think as this conversation would have, was heating up a bit, I think he would have probably stood back up. Perception? Um... Nineteen. 
Avery, you have not moved or stopped the stare that you have with Quinlith, your eyes locked with each other. You suddenly realize your heart isn't beating. And as you kind of glance down for a second, you see the skin of your left arm silvered, shiny. And as you stare at this smiling Quinlet, suddenly everything about her freezes. The blood stops dripping and stops in midair. As suddenly, so it has something to do with this woman then. As Cazador suddenly materializes, kind of walking into this classroom lecture hall on the stage, standing next to Quinlith. What exactly did you do to her? And what did she do to you? She wanted some spells. Spells that no one should have access to. She I was manipulated, but at the same time, I think it was my own greed for power that wanted me to be manipulated. And when, and when the time came, I had no choice. I had to stop her. Cazador turns his piercing green eyes staring directly at you. His too wide smile crosses his just oddly angular face. So you struck her down. The question is what did she do to you in return? I guess we must dive deeper. And Kazdor, in what is insanely quick, is suddenly right upon you, standing in front of you, and a long finger just touches you on the forehead as your vision goes completely black. But meanwhile... The camera, as it opens back up, comes in on a flying, sparkling elf and a short blonde haired Githraki going through a tube before suddenly seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and entering out into a room and takes your eyes a moment to adjust to all the candle 
Candlelight? Candlelight. The whole room is bathed in just normal candles. And as you look about at the wood floor that is in here and the second two floors that are here with it almost looks like you're in a ship a galley of a ship this is weird oh why the and you can see shelves of rolled parchment all around covering the walls you can see a ladder that leads up to the second floor, which also seems to be covered in bookshelves that are covered in these rolled bits of parchment. Uh, but, so, uh, you uh, come into this room. What would you like to do there, Virian? Honestly, first of all, I'm gonna take a glance at these parchments just to see what they contain. Sure, make me an investigation check. That's what I'm not good at. Oh no. That is a 10. Virian, you grab one of these bits of parchment and you unroll it, and you immediately recognize it as a map and you can read the word Greece on it as you see what looks like just a squiggle. You've never really seen this before, but you can tell it's a map of some place called Greece, you guess? How would you name a country Greece? I assume it's a country. It's too big to be a city. An odd naming choice. Okay, um... Hmm. Is there any indication that these maps... There are any maps for here? I can try. Um, you can make a, another investigation check, but you gotta do this one at disadvantage. That's not. <laughs> that is a flat four. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you began to just kind of t like toss and turn through all of these different maps and you just keep finding random words of places that you've never heard of. You don't see anything that is familiar at all. Hmm. Helpful. In that case, I'll head straight for the ladder. Sure, you can easily uh, fly your way over towards the ladder and uh, if you want, you can fly up to the second floor. I won't just go shooting straight up. I'm just going to fly up and peek around first. Uh, as you fly up, you realize it's more of almost a balcony than anything that kind of just goes around the rim of this. And it's not too wide. It's probably about only like 12 feet of depth that is actually here on this uh, second floor. But it does go all the way around this uh, top of this floor. Okay. Um, what else is in this room? Uh, as you look about this second layer of the room, you do see a, another tube that seems to lead out somewhere. Uh, besides that, though, in the center of the room, there is a large wooden table uh, with a bunch of clips that are clipped on the edges of the actual sides of the table. And as someone who grew up with money and has seen maps before, you realize this would be used to clip the map so that you could 
you know, have it flat along the table. And there's a few stools around this table. And then, as I said, multiple just uh, candelabras and other candles that are lighting this whole room or floor. Okay, with the slightly unpleasant reminder of home, I think I'll just carry on to the next tube. Uh, Knives is looking about. So, are we really going to just screw around while Wyatt is stuck with that beholder? As Knives himself is looking through so a pile of these maps. We're going to find him. I say, sounding very, very unconvinced, even to my own ears. Uh, uh, all right. Well, I guess then, lead on, Lyrian. I will keep making my way over to the other tube. Uh, Fly would still be active at this point, right? How long does Fly last? Ten minutes. We'll say it's still active at this moment. As the two of you enter into this tube uh, quite quickly, you find yourselves as you begin to fly through. You come to a fork in the road, as it were, but it's a vertical fork. As the two of you reach, you keep going straight you can see the light at the end of the tunnel that isn't too far, but as you do, you can also see down to a lower floor, and then you can also see up, and there's the tube also goes up. What way do you think? Well, I'm... I think we should keep heading up, because that's the way I, I'm pretty sure why it is, so up would be my guess. Up we go. All right, up it is, and see the knives begins to follow you straight up. And as you do, you can feel the magic of fly beginning to fade as you make your way up this tube. And as the light encompasses you and you can see about you and you exit out this tube, you once again see yourself in a gold pyramid that you recognize quite well as you've been here before. And as you exit the tube, the magic of fly blinks away and both of you land on the floor. As Nice looks at you, oh, well, fuck. One way of putting it. So what now, my fearless leader? Give him a side eye for that. Okay, so I wait at the top of the pyramid. <laughs> oh, you're at the bottom floor. 
You oh, can yeah. see the door that Knives came through that you know leads to the MC Escher stairs, and you can also see the other door that you uh, entered through to go back to the uh, futuristic library with all of the books about science. That door you came through, how long were you trapped in there for? Uh, well... Uh, how long was I away from you two? That's a good question, I actually don't know. <laughs> so, some time then. Okay. Yes, I mean, it took me for fucking hell and ever to get out of there. Or is this the temptation to go and peek through the door? You could definitely go look through the door if you want. Okay, I do go and look at the crazy stairs. Viren, you open the door, and as you peek out, it is all these black and white staircases that seem to intersect and go over each other. And the minute you peek your head out there, your entire orientation of the world feels to almost be spinning. As the staircase that you are looking out onto, you can see right away actually goes the opposite way. And from where you're standing, seems to go vertically away from you. And so just staring out into this is making your entire head spin. Cool, I have a headache now. Uh, you crazy stairs. Hmm. Suppose this is what I get for always being a follower rather than a leader. Now it's like, what do I do? I assume Taran is definitely not speaking to me after I was an ass to him. You can try and talk to Taran. Okay. I'll just take it to my spell book to try and talk to it, I suppose. Probably not out loud, but... First of all, I'm just going to say his name so it actually responds to me. You get the... Like, a, you get the cold shoulder of someone who's, like... They're forced to listen to you. They, they're there. You know that. So they're listening. I know you don't want to hear it, but I'm sorry. You're right. You did, you did do your best to teach me, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't truly know why I keep running headfirst into these situations. Maybe it's a desperate desire to try and be able to do just something. Anything. But... I don't know. I don't... I've managed to dodge death a few times now, and I'm not sure how, and I'm not sure why. But... I've already... Well... Robbed you of your life, and... 
I don't want to do it again, but I have to find Wyatt and that book, but I don't really know what I'm doing. You're sucked back into the mindscape of your own mind, and you find yourself staring at the back of Terran. Him not looking at you, looking away into just the void. You already owe me one. You know that, right? This will be two favors that you will owe me. Okay, I will handle this for you. And you are once again pulled back into reality as you're holding the spell book in front of you and it, you see it begin to glow with this green energy as the whole cover, you kind of see it almost moving with energy and Knives looks over, um, Virian? Should I be worried? What's going on? I'll, I'll explain in a moment. Uh, uh, okay. Um. And as Knives says, um, you feel the spell book. <laughs> this green flash goes off throughout it. <laughs> and encompasses both you and knives and you feel a whoosh of wind and you just see like your whole vision is just this green energy for a second before suddenly you feel a wind and you are standing just staring at the spell book and as you look up you're staring at is that a chalkboard and a and a whiteboard and what and as you look a little farther up you can see Yukis floating in the air and above that a two elves doing the dirty dance that the elves do in the elves way as you can hear Wyatt's voice echoing through reading some very dirty smutty sounding words But with that, that is where we will end this week's Escape from Wolfham. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of uh, of Dungeons and Junkies. Um, we're going to the table now and um, just give our social information. And we'll start with Chad. Hello, I'm Chad, and today I played insert name here and i had a very wonderful time doing it i hope you enjoyed me playing insert name here if you would like to hear me on any other podcast check me out on visionaries global media and of course you want to follow me on twitter you can do so at chad's underscore mind or at vftr 2p0 always a good time caitlin what up mortals I'm Caitlin. Uh, I've I've been here. <laughs> That's my. I run a separate TTRPG podcast featuring all of these wonderful lot called Dice and Suffering. 
It's where my D&D campaign is. It's also where we play Blades in the Dark, featuring clowns and hookers and lasagna. And no, none of that makes sense. It barely makes sense to me, and I, I listen to it. I also write articles about games and mental health on themindgame.org. Woo. End transmission. Gary. Hello, I'm Kerry. Like everyone else here, I don't really have any big projects going on. I'm just the one they kind of can't get rid of. Anyway, I'm Shira Beans on Twitter, where I lurk a lot and post very little. But I also get to supervise the Dungeons and Junkies art Instagram, which is just Dungeon Junkies on Instagram. Goodbye. See you later. Alex. Yes, I am Alex, and I play insert name here as to copy Chaz's trend because that was a pretty cool trend uh, you can find me at Spiderbread UK on Twitter you can find our main show at Game Junkies Pod and you can find this ever-growing collection of Dungeons and Dragons content on Dungeons and Junkies indeed you can find me at Matt at UK thank you again to everybody for listening thank you to everybody who's playing and uh, we're out of here podcast was brought to you by me, Chad, in conjunction with Visionaries Global Media and Mad Attack Productions.